played with my twin nieces today, and I am fucking exhausted. Oh yeah, kids have power. Just running, running around in the sun. Running, 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 running. Django, those aren't those aren't words. That's my reggae song. Oh, <laughs> nice. Running, running. What are you drinking? Drinking, 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 drinking. Imperial, I, Im, Imperial IPA. I had one earlier this afternoon when I was hanging out with all my family outside chasing these little twins around and I had had one and then I ran hard for like 15 (laughs) minutes and I was I had to stop because I thought I was gonna throw up and I was like oh no I'm that uncle like Like, I'm their drunk uncle. I'm their drunk uncle who's like, oh, little girls, let's run around the yard. I was, oh, I fell over. <laughs> I'm going to throw up in the yard because I had too much beer. Like, I like silly Uncle Jeff. I like silly Uncle Jeff <laughs> until I realize he's actually got a problem. <laughs> Two eleven, two twelve. I don't know. I thought we were higher than that. Like two eighteen or nineteen. Whoa. Are we? Is it two twenty? There's your fucking intro. It's two twenty one, dude. (laughs) Welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast where we're all way older. Do you remember when we had our twenty first birthday on the podcast? Our twenty (laughs) first episode. That was two hundred episodes ago. Um. Where every it's a comic book podcast from the comics place in Bellingham, Washington, where every week we get a whole bunch of comic books and we bring them together here and sort of verbally make love with one another while talking about the comics. It's a comic podcast. We have a lot of fun doing it. It's just a it's a great comic podcast, if I do say so myself. <laughs> um, this is episode two twelve twenty one is what oh, we just God. realized. That's sort Wait of a minute. Everyone's coming into the realization that this is two twenty one. It's two twenty one. Yeah. Two two twenty one B. Two twenty one B. Ooh, right. yeah. So 221 was our old mailing address. That's on, true. Uh, West Holly. Oh. And now Holly. it's Sherlock Holmes's address. Sherlock Holmes's address. It's also, this is the first time since we've been tracking it, we have left the United States. This is the area code for Senegal. I did not realize that Modesto wow. was not in the United States, yeah. the continental. Welcome. welcome, welcome. Senegal. Wow, Roman. How does it feel to go gooey fish hunting in Senegal? Gooey fish. Like, wow, my you words gotta be, are you gotta be, Yeah, well, you got to be real careful because those Senegalese cliffs are really dangerous. That's true. Wow, like, wow. Those Senegalese uh, gooey ducks are dangerous, too. They, they set you up. And, and, you know, and then they all sit back on the beach and they go, ah, yeah, it's curtains for him. So... Everyone bear in mind this week, we're not doing a standard one to 10 gooey duck scale. These are Sangalese gooey ducks. So if anyone gets a gooey duck, that's equivalent to 12. All right. That's that's like uh, like like they would say at home, Sengali G. They sure do. And on that note, let's talk a little <laughs> about the books that we're going to be talking about this week. What a rowdy, rowdy intro. 
<laughs> what a rowdy, rowdy intro. I haven't figured out the book reading order yet. I'm going to right now. We're going to talk about the silver coin number one first. Yeah. Ooh, yes. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the Congo Blanc number five, the end of the Congo Blanc. Uh, then we're going to talk about Geiger number one. We're going to talk a little bit about the Green Lantern number one. Actually, it's just Green Lantern number one. The Green Lantern was Grant Morrison. So just Green Lantern number one. Talk a little about Dead Dog's Bite, number two. Yeah, We're going to talk about Tankers, number one. We're going to talk about Magic, number one. And I'm going to talk really brief, briefly about Buffy 24. Maybe all of those won't make it in. Maybe new ones will make it in. It doesn't matter. Everyone's We're all just sort of working through this together, having a good time, making sweet auditory love. I've never really seen uh, Roman have to bite his nails before, and I just saw him biting his nails. That's a new... That's a new one, but I've never seen him show weakness like that. Is that weakness? I've got a weird, weird, like hangy doodad thingy off my nail and try to get it off there. Uh, it's from eating too much meat. I've been sending out <laughs> a lot of weakness if biting your nails is, is, a, is a sign. So yeah, it's going to be a really fun episode on the podcast. Really excited for it. The internet just totally crapped out and booted me and who knows what's recording and what's not recording anymore, but I have two letters from people also. I don't know if you have any, but I've got two emails. I think I have three, but maybe one of them is an email that you sent me of one of them. Yes. Holy okay. for shit. That's a lot of communication. People like us. People are curious about us. They, they got questions. To talk to them. Sanguine Why won't they gooey ducks. Hard? <laughs> Dude, we have to be able to use some of this audio at some point. <laughs> um, okay. Is that about sanguine? What? Uh, sanguine gooey ducks. Is that where we are? Is that it? Is that it? Yeah. Oh, man. It's going to be a rough one. It's going to be a rough one, buddies. Okay. Oh, gosh. So, guys, let's let's just kick this thing off, right? Let's talk about the Silver Coin by Chip Zadark Dark and Michael Walsh. Yeah. Roman said, you're going you're gonna to read this book, right, Jeff? Because you're such a music man. And I said, so you've seen my innumerable guitars. And he said, yes. Oh, do you know the music man, the music, the music man, man, the, music the silver music coin? <laughs> this is like an anthology horror series. It seemed to be that maybe Michael Walsh is going to be the linking factor in all of it. Yeah, I think he came up with the ideas and then passed the stories off to writers. That's so cool. Yeah. So... So this was written by Chip, yeah, with art, lines, and like lettering is all by Michael Walsh. And I think that's super, super cool. Um, I just want to talk about the fact that this guy's playing a Fender Telecaster the entire time. And who doesn't love a Fender Telecaster? I heard that Michael Walsh is also a musician. Oh, that and would maybe make sense. plays a Fender Telecaster. Really? Yeah. I play a Fender Telecaster. Dude, you should write a comic. I don't need to. I have a podcast about reading comics. <laughs> well, what Dude, you, you should... play guitar? You ought to do this other thing. <laughs> Didn't you know? <laughs> don't you know? Just don't use a silver coin for your guitar pick. This is your classic band likes playing together and isn't famous. Then one of them finds a magical silver coin and they start using it as the pick. And then anybody who hears them thinks that they're absolutely incredible. And then they call this record label and the dude's like, well, I'm going to come check out your band. And they play this raucous rock show and everyone loves it. And he's like, you guys are great. However, we are just in the throes of this dirt shit disco scene. And 
no one's going to like your music. So like, keep doing your thing. And then in a couple of years, like I want to get you signed. And he's like, fuck, fuck you. You don't know what you're talking about. I quit this band. I'm going to go do the dumb disco thing and become famous kind of burns his buddies. And then metaphorically he burns his buddies. And then he literally burns himself while he's tearing it up up there. Like Bruce bloody bring sting spring in it. <laughs> um, you know, rocking in the free world up there. He dies. He burns down. It, it was a, it was a good ending. I got lost thinking about it's crazy that Rockin' in the Free World is a Neil Young song that he recorded on that album like with the Pearl Jam guys. Like Rockin' in the Free World is a great song. Merkin Ball? Yeah. 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 So what do you guys think happened at the end here? So they they find this silver coin in uh, somebody's dad's uh, like a box from their mom. And he, he uses it for a guitar pick. And that's kind of the, the turning point for for his music, I guess, or for his, the people's desire to see him play music and his inability to not stop playing music. Yeah, and just how, how hard people seem to be vibing on it, you know? It yeah. Was, it was so fucking cool. I love this because I love Hammer, you? Hammer Horror movies. Yeah. And they do all the classic things where he starts using it. Oh, because because X, the woman, the band, the drummer says, just use the coin because he can't find a pick. But he's playing and he cuts himself and classic magic item uh, activation. He bleeds on it and the coin's got an eyeball. And yeah, and then, and then people are entranced by his playing. And at the end, I love that because he's playing and he can't stop. And he's like, his finger is getting worn down to the bone and people can't stop dancing. Just like that song, that disco song. Keep on. And the, yeah, yeah, and they can't leave the room, and then a fire starts, and nobody can leave the room, and they just all burn to death. I did love the way that the cop talked about it at the end, where it's like they had to have been drugged or trapped or something because everyone burned alive, but no one even wanted to leave. Like there's, mm-hmm. they, yeah. it's like rock and roll burnout. Also, g- coins aren't pointed. Django, I bet your dad had wounds from the amount of coins that he played with because <laughs> coins aren't pointed like a pick is. So you constantly fuck up the first knuckle of your finger playing mm. with them. Um, it's so that you can feed the coin you're blurred. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, I, I just reminded me of like, man, when I was in high school, I used to play with a lot of coins. Why didn't I just spend $20? Like two years ago, I was like, I'm going to spend $20 on so many picks that I'll never not have a pick again. Yeah, like, um, but sixteen-year-old Jeff didn't know. It's yeah, those those kinds of things where you you realize that you don't have to keep making do because you're a grown-up who has twenty dollars <laughs> at your disposal. I thought this was awesome too. Uh, nice little short story. I love the final shot of the the hand coming up out of the fire with the coin still in it and the fireman reaching down to grab it. I was kind of hoping that the person who received it was who was going to be the next story was about. Mm-hmm. I was kind of hoping that it was just going to be following this coin from issue issue, which I think we probably will be to some extent, but I was hoping we were going to see that direct handoff. I didn't realize that it's an anthology. I, until the very end, I thought we were just going to follow this lead singer's like journey life for the X number of issues. So when it showed the next issue panels, it's like, Oh wow. Cool. It's uh, you're just following the coin. Yeah. Neat. I would have loved to have spent, yeah, more time with these particular characters, but also I'm fine to move on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I obviously I love anything that's got kind of like inside baseball music stuff. So that that was cool. But even if you just look at this full page shot of the guy burning up and playing the music, like 
The art is incredible. Django or and Roman is like, what else has Michael Walsh done? He's a name that I know. I almost want to associate him with like Brubaker stuff, but I don't know the name. I'm yeah. not. I'm not really familiar. I'm not really familiar. I don't really know. Really familiar with him either. Yeah, I feel like as soon as you get those Google results, we're going to be like, oh right. Yeah, of course. It's he, it's these things. He sure did capture the look of the Bee Gees, though, <clears throat> on the is disco that, band. It totally right. looks like the Bee Gees. It totally does. Yeah, actually, yeah. I forget the Bee Gees man's name, but uh, that I shot of his face. Mostly cover art. Roman, that, that shot just above the panel you were talking about, of like the Bee Gees playing there, when it's the four, just little shots of his finger getting fucked up while playing that guitar. I love the way guitars look so like i th- those are four gorgeous pages i'm all about them i like i just yeah, yeah I, like, I like his stuff a lot oh when he's in his in his bedroom and he he takes the band-aid off his finger and there's four panels that just show him in silhouette and this crow shows up and briefly is, is behind his head and there's some kind of this coin has some kind of viking era origins i'm sure that crows in the final panel too. It's interesting. I think there's a conversation to be had of just sort of like what ice cream man has done for yeah. um, creating books like this and, and creating a, like between that book being, I think highly esteemed for the quality of work. And then also being a thing that kind of hit the speculator boom. Cause like maybe got option for something like, I just like that. We're getting more horror anthologies between this and ha ha, like just the mm-hmm. other, like, I, I think it's cool. It all feels sort of influenced by how well Ice Cream Man did. Yeah, and we, we really don't have another kind of anthology thing going on right now. Yeah, no, we don't. And it's been a long time, I think, since horror comics were really in the spotlight and they feel like they're on their way to the spotlight right now. Yeah, that's true. I do feel like we're getting more and more horror books lately. And outside of, of course, the anthology books that we're getting like innumerable anthology books from DC. But uh, yeah, but those are like, I don't think like you a can pers- really count superhero as a theme. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But it's just, it is like, we've been getting a lot of those superhero ones as well. I just think that there's like something about more bite-sized storytelling that it feels mm-hmm. like is a little bit more so how many Sylvestrian gooey ducks do you give this, Roman? Oh, at least nine and a half. Oh. Oh, man. Oh. There's even a mystery about the guy, the guitarist, singer guy, his mom, why she left. The dad I wanted hint, more about that, yeah. Dad hints it was, I mean, was she a witch? I mean, was she just cursed by the coin? Because it was her coin. Oh, what a great she mystery. She did. She did. I she think did. she's supernatural. Um. I would give this give this a nine. Solid goddamn nine. And Chip Zdarsky, you can write whatever you want. I'll read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can draw it too. Draw whatever you want. I'll read it. I liked the look and the feel and the language of all of this. And I think given the nature of the fact that it's going to be alternating writers, like it could go different directions. Mm-hmm. But this is a this was Chip Zdarsky, a writer who I don't really dislike anything he's ever written. And I think the art is gorgeous. I love where this is coming from. And then the fact that it's all like a dude playing a Fender Telecaster, which is just like Jeff Hornk material um, Mm -hmm. is, yeah, this one, not a 10, but I would go, I'd go nine. I'd go nine. Roman, I didn't actually catch that. Like he had like the blood got on the coin and that activated it. I was so just, yeah. Yeah. I was just so thinking about 
like, yeah, how much it sucks playing with coins. Um, you know, the other suck. thing about the series, we really don't normally get a, uh, any kind of series that has alternating writers and the same artist. Yeah. That's a really cool experiment that they're doing. For sure. And I prefer it to if there was just a different creative team on every issue of this because it's going to give the whole thing a more unified feel well but what about haha ha, which is the same writer and different artists each i like that but i i mean and obviously those are going to feel similar mm -hmm. but even that jarring art style change um, between issues i think like when sitting down to read it as a paperback i think it'd be cool but i think they're there would be a sort of less unified feeling to yeah. me, even though there's yeah. clearly an undercurrent of the story there. But um, yeah, I mean, I think so much of like the feel of a book is the art, even though obviously it's the writer as well. Speaking of the art. Oh, Did Roman. you see the size of the eyes in the King in Black 5? I sure did. Ryan Stegman. Roman Stegman? Roman Stegman. It is Ryan Stegman, right? <laughs> yeah. Nick Stegman. Roman Stegron, the dinosaur man. Oh. <laughs> this is the end of King and Black, which felt like had already happened to me, um, but it hadn't. And some big <laughs> stuff happens in this. <laughs> um, I, I got to be absolutely honest. I've loved Donnie Cates' tenure on Venom and the things that have come out of it, like Absolute Carnage and a lot of the one shots that have come out of it and King and Black. All of it has been fun, yeah. but it's all sort of kind of overstated its welcome for me. It's not... I don't, I'm not bummed that the house guest was here. I don't dislike them, but they ate a little bit more of my food than I was prepared to have. I'm up later than I wanted to be. And frankly, I just need to find some alone time, Donnie. But like just from the get-go, the kind of the tone of what this Venom thing is, even just the way that the, the symbiotes are drawn, the, you know, the way that Eddie talks to him, all of it is, of a, it's a very unique, it, not even necessarily unique, but it's a strong take on all of it. Yeah. And it's not necessarily my favorite take. So anyway, that like I'm just sort of unpacking my feelings about Venom and, and all of this right now. But um, I thought the end of this was pretty good in the way that Donny Cates writes either great things or pretty good, fun, kind of mindless things. And I think that this is more the latter than the former if the former is things like God Country and Silver Surfer Black. This is a bit more of a high-octane romp and... I prefer his other stuff, but this this was fun. Django, what did you think of it? I just bloviated. What like? First of all, I really like the art. I'm I'm a I'm a Stegman head, a Steg head, if a you Stegman. Will. I'm a Stegman. Um, the scene where Silver Surfer just reaches out and calls Mjolnir, yeah, and combines Mjolnir with his like a melted down version of his board into a silver surfer surfboard Mjolnir battle axe in order to eviscerate the King in black. Like, yeah, just, was just some a second. heavy handed badass. Let's just really labor that point on Roman right now. Roman venom, Eddie Brock <laughs> gets the enigma force and becomes like captain universe and then combines Mjolnir with silver surfers board to make a giant axe that is the shape of the venom symbol. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Jesus so that and it's got Christ, like little horns awesome. on it so that he can like <laughs> just hack Noel up and then ultimately pull the symbiote off of him. And it's like oh, your it's classic like, it's like Deus Ex Machina. It's like a Dio album cover. It, it's, it looks <laughs> like a Dio album cover. It absolutely does. Or like an Iron Maiden album cover. Like Eddie is in all of this. 
um we get to see him cut the head off of a symbioted celestial that's pretty cool it's 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 pretty good i'm proud of donny cates i think it's it's like the first long form marvel story he's done and i think he did pretty well with it and i think he swung for the fences i think it kind of got away from him but celestial with no head on dude when when venom cuts the celestials the the venomized celestials head off I was like, that's dumb. There's no way that that sword is long enough. And then I looked at the motion lines and Venom actually circumnavigated his neck in order to cut his head off. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) It was, yeah. There's, this is just like if you took a candy bar and stuck it in ice cream and then put it inside of a croissant and then rolled that up in a pizza and then just like started eating this junk food it would feel so good at the time and i can't wait to have diarrhea from this comic yeah it is a little bit like di- diarrhea even of itself it's it's <laughs> diarrhea um, i but i i do like it and i just i i have nothing but support for donny cates this is not one of my favorite styles of his voice but even when it's not my favorite i still am just i just think that he is taking more chances and having more fun with writing these long form stories than just about anybody and i'm really happy that he's doing it and i just hope that writers like him and those that are inspired by him are the ones who are going to inherit these properties um in the next 10 or 15 years yeah this is this is what i wanted metal to be like from dc yeah like this like he's playing through better amps than than scott snyder was with nicer guitars yeah yeah, yeah and better without wah-wah pedals if you know less I mean. cocaine like it's just like they remember what they were doing at the end of this song whereas metal <laughs> they were just like i don't remember there was a lot of cocaine between the middle of the song and the end of the song and everything so and it all kind of fell apart when your whammy bar broke yeah i'm gonna give this a 7.5 it was fun I think four was probably the high point of the series for me. Like when the Enigma Forest kind of appeared as this thing that was going to happen, I was like, this is going to be cool. And then it just kind of became like like a Sunday of everything that can beat a bad guy. Give me Thor's, give me the Silver Strip, give me that Enigma Force. I'm going to get big. Give me an axe. I'm going, like, it was just like, okay, all right. Like if that's what you need to do to just deus ex machina us out of here, then that's fine. I, I'm going to give this an eight and a half. Um, yeah. I, I missed probably two issues. I don't think I read three or four. So I didn't understand why Venom was so badass, but I didn't give a shit. Um, I just, I was just along for the ride. It was like that time my friend asked if I wanted a ride home and I sat down in his car and my butt sunk down in this crazy race car seat. So it felt like it was closer to the road than it should be. And then he had to explain to me how to put these crazy seatbelts on because it was like seatbelts that go across your chest and your lap and buckle in weird places and then i was like oh shit we're going for a fucking ride and that's how i felt through this whole issue wow yeah sounds like a bitchin car it was a bitchin car (laughs) (laughs) it sounds like a bitchin wagon dude (laughs) um roman what'd you give it for just you know what you just heard uh for what i just heard how uh, many transylvanian gooeys i mean ronnie james gooey yeah um it sounds. It sounds like it's at least an eight. Yeah, sounds like an eight. Sounds yeah. like an eight. I like that. Okay, Roman, did you read Geiger? Geiger, I barely. Uh, yeah, ah! I did. <laughs> this is my friend Roman, and he's the best man I've ever known. <laughs> um, which means I need to get out more. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, this is by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, and it is an image comic. And I can't think of the last time, or maybe if ever, Jeff Johns has done an image comic. Or Gary Frank, right? I would believe that. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't ever see Gary Frank's art outside of Jeff Johns' books, really. Yeah. 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 So this, this is a creator-owned book, and... It has all of the trappings of being something that would just be fine because I like I've I've talked about um, not loving post-apocalyptic things and like undiscovered country and post-Americana and a lot of Mm -hmm. things lately. And I was totally engrossed in this book. Yeah. Yeah. This was really well done. The the setting like the uh, wall in the middle of it that is just crushed up cars turned into a wall. Super cool. The the main character's character design is amazing. A lot of nuclear fallout lately in comics. A lot of like Russian bad guys. We're back, baby. James Bond, (laughs) James Bond, Russian bad guys, nuclear winter. But this, like this starts out and it's just these people in sort of radio radiation suits wandering through the, the wasteland. They're like, I don't know. You gotta tell me a story. We're like, tell me about the guy that glows or whatever. The language with which that conversation happened, like, that is why Jeff Johns is a phenomenal writer. Like I, I shouldn't have been as engrossed in a page and a page as I was, but just the way that like the amount of character work that was done by him saying like, who was he? Oh, he was called a lot of things. Joe glow, the man of mass destruction, the walking bomb, like all of that is like, okay, well this is page one. And you're like making me know things and be interested in things that I, you're not even telling me about yet. Like, it's just, it's really, it's nice. It's good writing. It's good yeah. writing. Yeah. And the but art the, was great. Yeah. Well, it's Gary Frank. But what's awesome is then you get a whole fully visual flashback to some people who are building a fallout shelter and the dad's telling the family to get into the fallout shelter. And then this, they see the bomb go up and then the dog starts barking and a lot of nuclear fallout in books lately, a lot of animal violence and I'm not fucking here for it, frankly. I'm really like between this and tankers this week, I was like, I oh, yeah. think that we could be murdering fewer innocent animals in our comic books. But um that's how they that's how they get you though. It's always the damn dog isn't in the shelter yet, and it's over by the, the guy's gotta I go know. back and get the dog. Right, like twister. That leads to everything. But then wrong. yeah, he goes to grab the dog, and these horrible neighbors are like, Hey man, you we're taking your shelter you know, give it to us. And then they shoot his dog. And that was just so that primal level of betrayal at mm-hmm. six pages in hooked me. Roman, you were just about to say something. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to interrupt and say, and, and you know, to Gary Frank, I mean, was that on purpose? He made, I mean, the couple doesn't both look like, but the man holding the, uh, the semi-automatic machine gun, whatever that is, <laughs> looks they just look like, like that, that couple. Yeah. The lawyer dude. And the woman doesn't look like her. I don't think, but it definitely looks like, the man in that law- real life lawyer couple from last year. Well, he drew a white man that looks like a white man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's pudgy and he's got the big bushy mustache. Mm-hmm. But the bomb goes off. Those people die. Our main guy trying to get the dog dies. And a really kind of like, I spent a lot of time in the Watchmen world lately. I want to draw my own version of atomic bombs <laughs> killing people. Yeah. But yeah. And then we then go to these 20 years later people going through the desert and they try to stumble on this place and it looks like that guy who got radiated is hanging out outside of that fallout shelter that his family is presumably in and he said don't come out for anything 
and you know maybe they're dead maybe they're not dead 20 years have gone by and i just like i was the character design is kind of cool but yeah not i could see it's cool it's very also like 90s image too Mm -hmm. you know like it's very Mm -hmm. in the in not necessarily like the spawn type that I love, but just kind of like, yeah, that, yeah. that part felt a little generic to me, but yeah. I don't see a lot of pouches on him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're it's, right. It's way simpler than, than a, an image yeah. character from back then. But yeah, it's, it's definitely like a, anytime you have a skull, it a basically glowing skull. 90s image right yeah. into your brain. Yeah. But then it still ended on a high note and just sort of like him feeding beans to his two-headed dog in this <laughs> fallout shelter building with all these marks on the wall i just like i was totally totally engrossed in it and ready to read more um i i, I really 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 liked it i love the people that they're setting up as bad guys who have different kind of fiefdoms in um las vegas in the themed castle mm-hmm. there's the king bad guy in the themed uh the pirate ship place we're going to meet gold beard like everybody who's living there has kind of glommed on to whatever stupid theme their casino had right yeah um, I, I mean I, yeah i love that too when i especially when i saw the one the Karloff, i was like oh sweet oh <laughs> nice <laughs> i didn't realize that are any of these i'm just curious are any of these uh there is a Camelot, isn't there in Vegas? There's some big castle one. Yeah, it's 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 not the Camelot. Or maybe there is, but there's like yeah, I forget what it's called, but it's yeah. pretty close to the Luxor. Um and yeah. Some of these are analogs of those, the yeah. Castle one and the Manhattan, you know, New York, New York, New York. I love yeah. the one, the Lucky's, the little one that's that's a horseshoe shape, <laughs> the building. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I th- I thought this was great. Um and I'm I'll keep reading it sure oh sure. yeah i like this a lot i mean when you turn the page and you get that full page of uh joe glow <laughs> i love that name um when he's activated his radiation powers and and you still see his his boots aren't quite melted off him yet but it's just such a cool page did you guys catch that like there's there's this junkyard joe character kind of in the periphery throughout his kid has a junkyard joe hat on Mm -hmm. Uh, somebody else mentions him and then on the back cover there's a little uh junkyard joe comic strip i just like jeff johns is a phenomenal writer and i think that because he's such a phenomenal writer he has kind of been sucked up by editorial and corporate things to be working on higher paying jobs or things like well doomsday clock we need somebody to write this big thing so do this it feels like it's been a really long time since jeff johns has been doing something that feels like he wants to do it mm-hmm. and I, i'm i just i do think he's a great writer and his imagination is awesome i think his character work is phenomenal and i'm just really pumped to be reading this i can't can't recommend it highly enough i i really am gonna go nine and a half sylvanian gooey dunkers <laughs> gooey dunkers uh, I'm going to go a solid nine. Um, if anything was going to get me up an extra half a point, it'd be the colors on that goddamn cover. Yeah, and the glowing one hasn't even come out yet. God, I need it. <laughs> Boy, I'm going to go a nine and a half, but I don't know why I'm not just going a, a full gooey. You're going to give it do, do you the think, Stagtonian goo? Do you think the 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 little banner across the top is an homage both to DC's checkerboard? tops and some kind of like geiger 
thing. Oh, counter. <laughs> Probably. It has like a, a nuclear feel to it. If you look at the cover yeah. for issue two in the back of it, it looks like the most image comics cover to me. Like just generic image yeah. comics cover. Yeah. Dude, dude standing on Sweet. a hill punching bugs. It's like Oblivion Song or any number. And just like yeah. the brown. Oh. Like seems like image books are all brown right now. <laughs> oh yeah, but he's but he's fighting giant ants. My, You're one right. My, one of my favorite... 1950s movies is them with the giant ants and that's the only desert two legs away from being giant spiders buddy <laughs> i'd rather not think about that <laughs> um okay um boys i think you have a little something to share with me about the gle the green no no sorry just green lantern oh you're right sorry never mind right what are you talking about GLE. the green lantern energy oh, the, oh is that a big dick joke no do we do I mean, not from me the infinite, <laughs> the infinite frontier green lantern oh we're talking about not, little finger not... earlier <laughs> uh roman can you can you give us a breakdown of what like just the setup for this issue we don't need every beat but just why the fuck uh let me break it down um Wicky, wicky, yeah, wicky. what's going on here? <laughs> uh, it it opens up with some big old battle on Oa, um, and there's Thanagarians, there's Red Lanterns, there's Green Lanterns. Um, oh, that's right, they're having some kind of peace accord talks about the you know the United Planets has formed over in Action Comics or Superman, and they're trying to decide if Oa is going to allow to be even a part of the United planets whereas before they were the center of the galaxy the multiverse i don't know they were the center of everything the most important planet and now the other planet alien planets are trying to decide if oa even deserves to be part of their group i thought that was an interesting bit of tension yeah um, i i fully expected them to not get the vote by the yeah. end yeah because um, it wasn't either. really a blowout one way or the other um, yeah. And spoiler alert! At the end, our our main guardian gets killed, right? Yeah, yeah. But there's two guardians in this issue, and the the, the boy one gets murdered. Yeah. Um, okay, and then interspersed with all that, I mean, it's it's basically the Green Lantern Corps, right? So we've got Simon Boz, we've got um, uh, fuck, all John. of their names just left my head brain. <laughs> Well, John Stewart is what do they call him in here? He's some kind of uh he's got a special role category or something that they refer to him as. Um, yeah, like the Prince of the Lanterns or something. Um, and then Hal Jordan and even Teen Lantern, who insists on being called Teen Lantern, she's eleven. Yeah. That's not a teen. <laughs> nope. But she wants to be called Teen Lantern. Yeah. Instead of tween or whatever that would be, I, I thought she, I, I really enjoyed her character in this. I haven't read much. I don't know if I've read anything else with her, um, just because the name turned me off so much right yeah. out of the gate. But I, I thought she was pretty awesome. Um, just a fiery little shithead, eleven-year-old <laughs> with more power than you can imagine. Yeah, yeah, and she's there because they're trying to figure out. Apparently, the god well the gauntlet she has that get that has green lantern powers nobody knows how she has this thing or why she got it um and i love the and that's one of the things that yeah people call it a glove and she's like no it's a gauntlet 
<laughs> just because gauntlet sounds cooler but i like the way the little tensions here there's all these different races here on this plant on oa and there's tension between everybody i like the fact they explain that well they don't explain how jordan is there but he's a looks like he's a ring construct so he's not really there he's off mm -hmm. doing something else but he's communicating with john stewart and they mentioned jessica cruz is off you know doing something in some other worlds and you know they explain where everybody is I, I like the trick that they use to defeat the bad guy um like the only way to beat him is to not fight him uh i thought that was pretty cool yeah yeah and i, I like the, i like the scene like where it shows all the different races in the giant chambers doing their vote just like that scene and whichever one of the star wars prequels it mm -hmm. was where the same thing happens i i get the feeling that this might be a big hit for somebody who likes the green lanterns i like i liked it a lot all the different races we got to see simon baz finally doing something again and um tensions with the thanagarians i like the fact that simon baz and um john stewart seem to be the stars of at least this first story arc mm -hmm. oh and teen lantern and you're right yeah, and you're right. I liked her. This is the most I've liked or cared about her in any mm -hmm. issue. Um, oh, there's some cool stuff with Sinestro, too. There's a lot of cool stuff in this. So um, let's pretend that Guy Gardner wasn't totally overlooked and misused in this issue. What do you give it? <laughs> um, as, our, as our favorite Green Lantern pooser. Uh, poser i think i oh boy you're right about the guy garner thing i think i give it a nine like 9.8 and it would have been a gooey if guy had had a better role because okay. they've even got they even got a mystery here at the end about the star heart which is mm -hmm. what gave alan scott his powers the first green lantern oh i didn't know that the first earth green lantern yeah okay and they've got like a little romance maybe set up with john stewart and the the wing lady Oh, yep. Yep. Okay. That's interesting that you give it a nine and a half. I thought it was a good comic, but I'm going to give it a seven. And I think that just might be the nail in the, in the green lantern coffin for me. Like if you can like it that much and I just cannot get into it, maybe I should stop trying. Maybe I just don't even need to try anymore. Motherfuckers. Nothing wrong with trying Django. I, I don't like green lantern space. Yeah, you don't want to find about the mystery about this this dude that shows up that uh, talks to John at the end, and he seems to be some kind of like mystery prophet lantern or something. Maybe have, no, I don't like his costume. Have you read <laughs> any of the Jeff Johns Green Lantern stuff? No, I know I should probably give um, give that a chance. I think if uh, you're ready to like throw it in, I would give that a chance before totally throwing it in. Because okay. in my very like millennial viewpoint, I think that's kind of like the high point of Green Lantern in my mind. Um, well, this one kind of shits on that too. Well, well, wait now. I want to know how how this kind of shits on the John's run. Um, John Stewart talks about how he somebody somebody's talking about how they think that um, it's stupid to here it is uh, the emotional spectrum. He thinks it's stupid to include greed, compassion, and hope on the emotional spectrum. Um, and if I'm right, that's like that whole extra set of rings is all from Jeff John's run, right? Right. And and I never 
like as soon as you went from green to all those rings, I kind of, I don't know, that, that was probably the other final nail in my Green Lantern coffin. Yeah, that I think that kind of really feeds into like the like the Pokemon Power Ranger generation mm-hmm. for me. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, Power Ranger, give me a team and everyone's a different color and they all have a different power. Like that's that's like no 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 no. That's like I think my it's favorite brilliant. stuff. Yeah, I think it's brilliant for for grabbing a certain demographic. Yeah, but for it sure. Doesn't, it doesn't doesn't warm the cockles of my heart and if it did i wouldn't be into cockles that are warm dead dogs bite number two (laughs) the tyler boss joint um i just for your guys' discussion i stared off at the corner of my room and i bet for 90 full (laughs) seconds i was trying to remember which one is charles burns and which one is daniel Klaus. i think i have it but i just want to (laughs) say you know like when you start getting into comics it takes almost a full year to be able to separate which one is Ennis and which one is Ellis Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and why. And, you know, fast forward eight years, my battle is Burns or Klaus. Um, So anyway, what I think that this reminds me uncannily of is Dan Klaus. Mm -hmm. Um, Not as much Charles Burns who did Black Hole, but this reminds me very much of like a velvet glove cast an iron like which you talk about so much and i have to read it is i don't think you'll like it and i i will say that i don't think you'll like it because and i get do you like this book dead dogs bite i like this book a lot okay there the parts of this book that make me feel super uneasy are what like a velvet glove cast an iron is the whole time and it's things like sentences like you know the 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 campaign to reelect the person's campaign like weird right. sentences that like dream logic like when you wake up from a dream and you're like or when you're in the middle of a dream and things don't make sense but you keep moving like there's there's forward progression even though things don't make sense it's like like you're being pushed ahead of a disneyland ride like ahead of the rider like and i love it it's like and twin peaks did it but not quite as nightmarish as i feel like this is this is like things don't make sense but like this woman's head uh with like the the orange hair there is like a character who's just like an ugly thumb person who is in like a velvet glove like okay there's just so much in this that feels really like a guy kind of just wakes up in this town is what happens in that book. And this is very much like that. Just like. And like part of the, part of what makes this one so strange to me is everything is so straightforward art wise. And the yeah. story is so wacky. Um, it's it like, it's got such heavy kind of Fornes feeling just the some of the angles are cool and the lighting and stuff are, is cool the the shot that i sent you a picture of earlier this weekend jeff of of the characters running and the oh the i didn't realize what that was way. yeah gorgeous gorgeous angles but none of it is really the art's not messing with you it's just telling you the story and then the story is this bizarro kind of unsettling thing that nothing makes sense none of the characters really make sense like when you're in a dream like she's going to speak to the secretary to go talk to the mayor and like 
the secretary is weird and the room doesn't make sense and she wants to go see the mayor but for she can't for no reason that really makes sense like all of it is this weird like and yet you're moving forward like it's it's just it's nightmarish and bizarre and i i really love it uh, and there was also another really silly scene of a police officer getting his hand stuck inside a soda machine and not yeah. like oh that's silly but silly in the way in the first issue when the guy was like oh you mean my flim flams oh yeah. my tally wobbers like just that whole thing just this weird this very comfortable confident person in this totally bizarro world roman how are you feeling about this I, I gave the first issue like a nine and a half or a ten um this one i loved still not quite as much as the first issue but i also while we were pulling books you're like i don't really remember what that one was i'm just curious does this stand out to you or does it feel kind of forgettable no it totally stands out i everything you just said i i agree it's so interesting and the art it's it is very straightforward but it's so weird and i love the way that he uses um, the, the, the sound effect as part of the art. There's that page when there's no dialogue or captions, but she's the main character is standing next to this old fashioned soda machine. And, you know, she smooths out the bill on her, on her thigh and she feeds it in. And, just, and then just her increasing frustrated clicks until the final panel and the clicks up all the negative space. It's just... <laughs> It's just a great sequence. And the weirdness later when she's talking to her mom, um, her mom works in this factory and the mom's boyfriend shows up. And during their conversation and the boyfriend is weird. He's one of those weird Twin Peaks like side characters that's just something's wrong with him. But they're pouring ketchup all over their skin. Oh, that and scene so is- ketchup. That, yeah. They're calling it gravy. <laughs> Yeah, and I didn't. And and at I the end of it, you can't even see the noodles. It's just a pile of ketchup. <laughs> I didn't even re- like notice that until the final page. I was like, "That is just a pile of ketchup." And you go back, and the first panel on the page is <laughs> them. It's a bottle of ketchup squirting onto that thing. So yeah, it's it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, and the fact the label just says it is ketchup. Yeah, it and you know why? Because yeah. it is ketchup. Yeah. It's it's fun. And it's funny, I didn't realize, and I feel like a real dummy for not noticing, I didn't realize this until I looked at the back cover, that that symbol we've been seeing, and it's on the ketchup bottle, that's one of those peppermint yeah. hard candy wrapper symbols. And it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I didn't clue in. <laughs> I kind of wonder if that if it's not like a hypnotist wheel. And somebody's been oh. hypnotized, and that's where this story is happening. Or this, the peppermints oh. are being made in this town, and everyone's eating them, and like is all sort of brainwashed. I know yeah. that the yeah. internet's lagging a little bit, so we're going to get through this. It's going to be very good. But uh, I love this book. I would give it a really high score, even still. I'm, I'm going to give this one a nine. I can't even quite place what I love so much about it outside of like it's just the perfect blend. Django, I didn't. I didn't make the comparison, but you're right. The Jorge Fornes art style. Mm-hmm. If you like his art, it's it's more Jorge Fornes circa hot lunch special than yeah. Batman. But Absolutely. it's that same like inky uh, graphic design, like just gratifying shapes. It's like looking at a finished Tetris board that was perfect or something. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it yeah. a nine. I'm, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a 9.5. It like, is ketchup. I, I don't even care if the art, or if the story was any good like i would look at this art all day long and on top of it the story's good Ooh, gravy (laughs) dude the like um i always forget his name but uh roman the uh that was right 
Yeah, right. Sorry, Roman. <laughs> the Twilight Zone guy. Um, oh, Rod Serling. Yeah, just the Rod Serling guy at the beginning and end of this is so awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I like the fact that we don't know is he just a narrator or is he actually can other characters see him? We don't even know. Just, is he just a weirdo around town? Like, do we have yeah. that guy hanging out from the like, comic <laughs> store some days? Yeah. Some days. Yeah, boy, I love and Oh, poor Winnebago. There's been oh. there's a part of me that's always thought I would end up somehow living like in a Winnebago or I've had a recurring dream throughout my life that I was living in a uh, an old Airstream trailer out in the desert somewhere because there's mesas around me and a dog and that's it. That's yeah. my dream, buddy. <clears throat> and the only one of us who's lived in an Airstream is Django. Um, you spoiled brat. Yeah, it's weird too because I don't even I don't like the desert. It's too hot. I'll give it a ten. Oh, yeah. and you know what that is? The Sokovian gooey dude. When you have a sequestrian gooey duck, that's a twelve. That's what we've. That's oh, what we've yeah, learned. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, a girth. 12. It's a girth and a thaff. It's yeah. a fifth and a fifth. Hey, um, I, I don't want to yeah. belabor this, but I just noticed that the bad lady's name is Patricia Pendermill, and she works in the peppermint factory. She could be peppermint Patty. Oh wow, <laughs> that's actually fascinating. Wow. So who's Marcy? I wonder. It's all peanuts at the end, buddy. And when you get to the bottom of everything, it's peanuts all the way down. You're saying peanuts? <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I'm saying tankers. Number tankers. one by Robert Venditti and Juan Jose Rip with Andrew Dollhouse. This is bad idea. I fucking love bad idea. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. Why won't they make me hard? <laughs> so everyone needs to know. The Django's heart is broken by bad idea. And no one will ever really know. No one will really ever know why it sucks so bad. And it's honestly, it's very isolated to the way that our store runs, that all of bad ideas falling on one person. Because kind of everything right now has to go through this one thing that one person is doing. And they've also chosen to do all of the ordering for this series. And it sucks. It sucks. It sucks because I see my good friend hurt by these bullies, <laughs> these bad idea bullies, and they're just bullying my friend around. And it sucks because their comics aren't bad, but their business tactics are bad. And I want people to email them that are not comic store owners and tell them, just pull it out, take it out of your butt. <laughs> <laughs> take it out of your butt, bad idea. This is fucking ridiculous. I, um, I but this book was good. a lot. I know. I've, in, this, I've, in this last week, I thought about them a lot. And my biggest beefs are things that are our problem, not their problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's dumb. I may choose to hold a grudge because of my shortcomings. And I, I support, apologize. I support the grudge holding. <laughs> I, I support it. But so everyone just listening, there is baggage around this company. They released ENIAC. We're not going to talk about ENIAC 2 this week. Which was Fuck good. you, bad idea. Um, yeah, it, ENIAC 1 was great. Yeah. And this was very good. Although... So good. I, I'll, I'll say, this is a little bit of your classic Jeff, like, okay, we're following people I don't like. and But then, yeah. like, halfway through, 
you know, it's it's business people who have to, they've hired a bunch of mechs because we're out of oil and they're going to send them back in time to shoot a laser at the asteroid that's going to kill the dinosaurs and make it follow and hit Earth on its next rotation. But that will give the dinosaurs an extra million years or whatever to make more creatures so that there'll be more fossil fuels for us to mine. And it's going to be very, very valuable. Pretty fucking smart. It's pretty fucking yeah. smart. <laughs> so they go back in time and we've all read Sound of Thunder. So we all know exactly what's going to happen. Um, they go back in time. And as soon as they go back to the present, everything has changed around them because Ray Bradbury. And yeah, um, pretty, pretty cool ripoff of that story. But I, 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 I dig it. I will say there is just like gratuitous scenes of them killing like pale eyed, innocent looking, no pupil dinosaurs. And I'm like, I get it. I didn't like you guys. And this story is going to be the dinosaurs revenge on these terrible people. But man, I don't like seeing animals get gunned down. It just oh, sucks. They're so sweet. They just want to cuddle. I love the dinosaur scenes in here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like yeah. the violence in here. I like the the shitty people. I can't wait yeah. to see them get all their comeuppance. Yeah. I love the evolution of the dinosaurs on the final page reveal. Yeah. Like they look like dragons rather than just straight up dinosaurs. And they like blend in. Yeah, they they blend in and like it's even you know, they were expecting an amount of the sound of thunder. Right, because they were going to redirect this asteroid and dinosaurs were going to live a little bit longer. But when they came back, there was going to be more oil. Right. But I love that the reason that everything went bad is that the scientists who decided when the when the meteor was going to make its orbit and come back to Earth forgot to take into account the fact that Earth would be in a different position because the meteor never would have hit. Mm. And that's what fucked them, mm. is that he forgot to carry the one or whatever. <laughs> and... Yeah, man, the art is the art is spectacular. Even the backup story is uh, like a goofy little um, uh, Abraham Lincoln making a deal to make Earth a space prison. It was it was a little cute, and uh, I'll allow it. I didn't realize that, Django. I thought they were saying. I neglected to calculate for the delta in Earth's rotation on orbit now that the comet missed its original terrestrial impact. And I thought that just meant that, like, no, the country I thought we were going to is a different country. I, I just put us on Earth in a different oh, right. spot. But no, what, you're, what you just proved, which I think could have been more clearly illustrated in this, which is saying that because it didn't get hit by the asteroid the first time, it missed the asteroid entirely the second time. Yeah, because it would have, it, it, he was calculating it as if it had been jostled that first time and yeah that it wouldn't be hit yeah um but yeah i yeah it's 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 very nice looking it's like that it's the art is really good except for some of the people have a little bit of that oh, i almost feel like what you were talking about with the curse of the dracula's buddies last week which is just like it's all really good except for when it's just a little bit janky yeah um yeah. which it is sort of like the people are kind of janky I really like the backup thing, which is just like five pages. Once again, a bad idea, great backup. But this like five page story of Abraham Lincoln going somewhere for a very important meeting. And, you know, he's sort of writing in his journal and about like sort of the, the pressure of being president and everything. And he gets to somewhere and he's talking to these two aliens and they're like, yeah, I don't know. We just need your signature here because we this was where we zoned for this thing. And it turns <laughs> out that Abraham Lincoln is agreeing 
kind of forcedly to let these aliens build an underground prison for the absolute worst criminals in space out here in the backwaters of space, which is Earth. In Wyoming. And then he's like, all right, okay, fine. And then he leaves. He's like, all right, well, I've got an idea. We'll celebrate ending the Civil War by me you know, saying this territory is hallowed ground. I'll make a national park here and no one will ever be able to touch it. (laughs) And it's just this awesome, like little five page, smart, fun idea. I, I liked it. I I liked the whole book a lot. Uh, Yeah. I, it was, it was super fun. I I give it, I'm going to give it, God, Django, I'm torn between an 8.5 and a nine. What are Uh, you going to do? If it helps you, I'm going to give it, gosh, now I am too, motherfucker. I just like, are we like, is bad idea only has they have they only released books that are of a nine and above caliber at this point? I mean, so far, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to give it a nine. It's got okay. it's, it's got a nine out of me. I'm going to give it a nine as well. I, it got me through the whole thing without regretting it or being bummed about it at any point, except for just being like, man, can we just see fewer cute things dying, please? But, you know, Tyrannosaurus Rex, not super cute innocent though man they have these eyes with no pupils it just made me want to go hug my cats a brontosaurus <laughs> brontosauruses are adorable yeah you dicks is is rips bad idea is uh, do they have do they allow rip to be as eviscerating and bloody as he is in other books yeah yeah, yeah i think i think oh, it's yeah. uh, like it. just it's... cutting off innocent brachiosaurus's heads and watching him fall but yeah. we haven't really seen him be super gross with people. Like he did a bunch of super ultra violent crossed stuff. Mm. But other than the dude getting stabbed through the chest, we haven't seen some good, good old Juan Jose Rip people killing. The good old fashioned ultra violence to quote our good friends. I'm just gonna really quickly talk about Magic the Gathering number one by Jed McKay. Jed McKay wrote this for Boom Studios, uh, illustrated like by Ig Guara. Yeah. I haven't really read his stuff, but Roman has read more of his stuff than I have. Yeah, for Marvel, Black yeah. Cat, and yep. a few other titles. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did sure. you read this, Roman? I did not. Okay. Me too. Um, he's he is a pretty good writer, I think. I think that he writes kind of like just left of center type things. They're always. It seems like they're interesting on a property that feels like it wasn't going to be that interesting. It's my outsider perspective. Roman will be like, "This Black Cat book was good," and I'm like, "Oh." Oh, okay. And I feel like he's written a, one or two other like Marvel sort of five issue miniseries that end up being better than I think they're going to be. I have recently, because my good, good friend Ryan uh, told me I should download this app for my phone, which is the Magic the Gathering free card game app. So I was like, fine, I'll do it because I like playing Minesweeper or Sudoku. Magic's kind of like that. So for the last two weeks, I've been playing that. I got excited about reading this book because like, you know, I'm playing the card game. So I'm probably going to get all of this and I'll be able to, this is, I'm the prime target. And I don't think I'm the prime target. I think that, (laughs) I think, I think this is, if you've been playing Magic for two and a half weeks and you've dabbled a little bit when you were younger, this isn't, you might think this is fun if you also have a real predisposition for liking rich fantasy worlds that have a lot of history built Mm -hmm. into them. But as we all know from Jeff, that's not super my thing. And there's also kind of like a, you know, a culture around magic that's kind of intense and I don't love that, but I was going to give this an open shot and it's, it's pretty, it's pretty rooted in hearing the words planeswalker and Ravnica and realm and ghost assassin and Guildmaster again. And, 
a lot of trigger words if you have watched or played any magic stuff. So I think that maybe if you have played magic, you'd be like, oh, fuck, nice. They're referencing this person's name. But as far as I knew, it was all characters I've never known, never seen. And I think that if you don't know anything going into it, it doesn't have deep enough teeth to make uh, a, you know, a blind scholar see, as it were. But I think that if you are a fan of it, I think that it would feel really gratifying. To, like in the same way, I like Silver Coin because like that's a fucking Fender Telecaster right there. I think that, <laughs> you know, like that is gratifying for me. So I think that if you have your favorite Planeswalker, if you have realms that you love, if you know some of this balance um, between the sort of world of Ravnica then it would be pretty fun but for me going in it it was it was kind of tough to get through the art didn't sell it the writing didn't sell it i think the property is what is selling this and i'm not familiar enough with the property to be sold and this is taking place in a magic multiverse right so it's not beholden to storylines that they've told with the card sets or anything else I would believe that. I didn't really know if multiverse was a thing that they used to describe the different sort of uh, eternities, the different planeswalker realms. Like okay. I didn't, like you know, like for us, multiverse kind of includes like the different worlds of DC, mm -hmm. right? I don't, I didn't really, I didn't necessarily know the mechanic with which they okay. were making multi within this. But maybe I didn't, that didn't occur to me, but maybe you're right. Maybe that means we're telling stories with these characters that you know, but that are not affecting the storyline of the card game. Cause I do know there's a pretty rich storyline of the card game. I think if you have at all dug magic in your past, it's, it's worth checking out. I, I, and I'm really only just kind of getting into magic at all right now past my card game prime. Like I don't have the energy to devote a lot to card games anymore, which I did used to, but um, magic is a big thing and it is fun to play it's a very good complex game and um i think if you like seeing those familiar characters uh you'll you'll dig this i'm gonna give it a 6.5 you made a good comic you made a comic you made a comic that i think is good for the right people and yeah you know that's that's how i feel about that i, I have one other little thing i was going to talk about before we get out of here but roman before we get out of here or check in with our males I actually would love to hear from the two of you, Crime Syndicate number two, Crime Syndicate number one, massive success. It, we auto-subbed a lot of people to it, signed a lot of people up who were getting things that seemed similar to it. And all of those people bought that issue. And then when issue two came out, we had even more people asking for it. That's pretty yeah. uncommon in a comic shop where you do have to take risks sort of signing people up for new things. It's, it's, it's pretty uncommon for a kind of random mini series to then come back with issue two with more subscribers than issue number one because when i auto sub people you get you kind of build in an, uh, an assumption that some people are going to drop it because they didn't ask for it and that wasn't the case with this one so you two loved it i haven't read it yet how was number two i love starro you do love starro yeah. i love starro it's an awesome starro um, he's got he's got eyes and teeth <laughs> yeah and he's he's controlling i don't have a, a huge crime syndicate background but uh seeing him control like the uh the flash character and the ultraman or uber uberman ultraman ultraman um yeah it was it was pretty cool i had a hard time believing the wonder woman-ish character if that's what she is yeah yeah basically um, she's an amazon she has a lasso but she's yeah. superwoman yeah her her 
talking didn't really make sense to me and maybe i was just reading it with the wrong inflections but um, no you're right that's that's the problem i have with her too i mean i really like the version of her that jeff johns wrote and that grant morrison wrote mm -hmm. but yeah this version it's it's she's there's something off in the way way she speaks but i mean you know give me starro give me uh give me this batman guy yeah my absolute ignorance is showing here of these characters but i enjoyed it yeah it's it's fun i mean it's different than i mean my favorite crime syndicate is probably grant morrison's and earth three but um but this is a fun read this Ultraman, he's a little more he seems a little less intelligent than grant morrison's but owl man is great and he's also somehow we don't know yet he's also tied into the talons um yeah. maybe he or he was a talon or something that went off on his own and he's got power rings battery and he's just you know he's the evil batman mm -hmm. i love that he's, he's always out there doing his evil secret thing and i guess yeah. the same way that batman's always secretly trying to do the good thing but Owlman is just always going against his team <laughs> yeah yeah and i like the visual of this version of johnny quick totally different than all the other versions this one's like a i don't even know he's i mean i don't know if he's a skinhead or what the deal is but no shirt and instead of the lightning bolts on his sleeves he just apparently has lightning bolt tattoos on his arms no pun intended but flash me that oh <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah he's cool looking that's weird yeah Weird. Yeah, um, and he's got baggy pants and a chain, and I don't know. Kids love chains. Kids love chains. Yeah, Roman, did you uh, did you read the backup? Oh, did I? Oh did yeah. Roman, did. read the backup. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I read. Roman, did you read the thirteen pages of text that go along with this comic book? Oh God, yes. I forgot it was a backup because it's it's you know, the main story ends with Owl Man, and this then the backup begins with Owl Man. So I just thought it was all the same story, but and the backup is Brian Hitch. Ugh. That's a that's it a is? crazy yeah that's a crazy name to have as your your five page backup story. Well, it's because he used to be wow. an A list artist and now he's just a backup artist. Yeah. yeah, but I didn't even realize this was Brian Hitch, and it looks better than any of his full issues we've seen lately. At least I think. Yeah, so. there was a joint that was out of place that tipped me off early on. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was an interesting conversation of of like the the guy that he's hanging over the streets from the building yeah um, who's harvey bullock yeah harvey bullock just the conversation that they have where where he just kind of gives owlman the way owlman interprets the the what bullock says to him to try to save his life is that it doesn't matter and i might as well kill people and that's not yeah. at all what bullock was trying to say but that's what that's what owlman got out of it um yeah. i'm i'm fascinated by that kind of stuff where you say something and it's interpreted in a completely different way um, yeah I, I i've seen it a lot with my kids where they they take something totally different out of a situation than you expect <laughs> yeah this owl man it's thomas wayne and he saw his parents and his little brother bruce murdered in front of him and it messed him up mm -hmm. yeah so what do you guys give it score-wise without including that Adam Hit Brian Brian Hitch stuff? Let's just do the oh, main Brian part. Hitch was my favorite part of that. Oh god. Sorry. That story that Brian Hitch <laughs> illustrated was my favorite that part. Coincidentally <laughs> found himself tied to. Yeah. Yeah. That and the the drawings of 
Starro. Yeah. Give it Score. a seven and a half. Nice. From me. Yeah. Pennsylvanian concubines. Good song. <laughs> I'll give it a seven and a half also. Maybe even an eight. Well, what's that's that's awesome. What's awesome as a segue is that Roman or sorry, my friend Roman's friend Django <laughs> is how we're tied together. <laughs> Just referenced Transylvanian Concubine, which is a very cool song Rasputina. by a band, Rasputina. And I only know that song because of its appearance in the television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I wanted to talk briefly about Buffy the Vampire Slayer number 24 from Boom Studios as well. Um, written by Jeremy Lambert, illustrated by Raymond Box. I've been rewatching Buffy. It started where I originally started, which is season four. Just a little history lesson for everyone. I love Buffy. I loved that show in seventh and eighth grade. I you probably would have had to work pretty hard to find me anywhere where I wasn't wearing a Buffy the Vampire Slayer shirt. I like I had the shirts, every, every I books, so my journals were covered in the writing. It was just nerdy, nerdy stuff, but I love it. And turns out in the last five or six years, Joss Whedon is just sort of inarguably a dirtbag. And so I've just been kind of working through like, God, what do I think about all that? And I've kind of felt like a rewatch of Buffy the Vampire Slayer was on the horizon just to sort of feel like, how does it age? Does it feel like all a product of this one person's voice? I remember having identified my favorite writers on the show, like Douglas Petrie or Marty Noxon, Jane Espenson. Um, so I feel confident in the fact that it's like, you know, it's other people's voices as well. It's not just his. But anyway, it's an interesting spot to be in. I feel like it's important to separate art and creators. This comic series started like two years ago and Jordi Belair was writing it. It's cool that there was a lady writing it. Now it looks like there's a guy writing it. Um, I kind of lost track several issues in because I was like, I don't know if I need more Buffy. But now that I'm kind of in another Buffy spell, I'm watching this show and it's actually aged really well for me. Now I'm no longer younger than all the characters. I'm older than all the characters when I'm watching it. <laughs> and that's really interesting as well, right? Like I'm sure you guys have a thing like that, right? Like I watched this originally younger than everybody and now I'm older than everybody. Um, so anyway, what is interesting about all of that is that this comic book universe has been right off the bat uh, a different, you know, spoilers, but like Xander becomes a vampire very early on. Uh, Willow becomes a witch very early on. And so it's just very clearly departs from the television show as we know, but like follows some similarities. And then what I'd heard is happening is that they're going to be taking this continuity of the comic book and sort of crossing it over with the continuity of the television show, which was the continuity of the Dark Horse comic books after all of that. And I thought that sounded kind of interesting to sort of just watch multiple versions of these crisis on multiple Sunnydales or something. But um which is a great joke if you've watched Buffy and know about DC continuity. Um, and this issue went incredibly quick. I think I read it in like four and a half minutes standing over the oven while cooking. And it's all sort of this preamble to what is going to be 25 where these two continuities meet. And I think that's a great idea. And it was really fun. And it was really quick. And I like what they're doing with these characters that are really, if you're at all kind of like me, if you went through junior high wearing Buffy shirts, um, then then I think you'll find this really interesting. Um, or maybe if you just casually liked Buffy, you might find it interesting. What if you went through like your uh, late 20s wearing Buffy shirts? Oh, I mean, you'll still like it, right? Yeah, all of it. If you ever had that Buffy phase, you know what I'm talking about. Um, she's just a great character and it's just a really, really well-written show. And it's a really fun show. And this captures that vibe a lot. And I like that they're going to be bringing that continuity into this other continuity. And I'm glad that they're doing this 
alternate continuity. You wouldn't want to just read comic books following a story that you already read. So anyway, Buffy's fun. We haven't talked much about it. I think a lot of comic shop people have some familiarity with Buffy. And I think that this boom series is really good and it's way better than the dark horse stuff. Um, so all of that. And I just want to subtly put my unpopular opinion in, which is I also watched Firefly at that same time. and didn't like it. You um, fucking monster. I know. And yep. I still don't really like it. So that's, <laughs> that's who I am. So invalidate everything I just said. I give that issue of Buffy the Vampire Slayer number 24. I give it an eight. It's a good book. It was good. I'm excited nice. to read 25. I'm gonna. So nice. that's where I'm at. That's a that's a podcast. That's a heck of, yeah. All right. I'm gonna take a goddamn nap. No, buddy. We have a, you had a couple messages, a couple in a correspondences, oh, right. a couple things. That's right. Well, I think I sent them to you. Let's see here. I'll, I got I'll, one, but I haven't read it yet. All right. And I, I have one. I, yeah. I dug one up from uh, Tyler Kunzinger. Nice. I love Tyler. Yeah. Good guy. I can't. That's another. That's a. That's a person. So many people, but that's someone I can't wait to see when the store opens back up after the pandemic. Tyler, can't wait. Thanks for ordering stuff for us online. Thanks for letting me drop it at your front door. Can't wait to see you on the other side when we both have faces again. Absolutely. Um, he says, hey, y'all, due to life events, I'm currently catching up on backlogged podcast episodes, and I have a question for you all. I hope this is the correct avenue to ask podcast questions. I've been diving deep into the Jeff Lemire catalog. I've read Descender, most of Gideon Falls, Black Hammer, and Frog Catchers. I was wondering if I'm missing any must-read works of his. The character of Animal Man always intrigued me, but I have yet to read any of it, and I saw Jeff Lemire did a run. Just curious, and I figured you guys would know way more than me. Django, what do you got, bud? I would say Essex County. Mm -hmm. I think that's Uh, the definitively pre-superhero Jeff Lemire book. Yeah, and I think that a really good follow-up to that is um, the Underwater Welder. Like, that was one of the later Jeff Lemire books that I read in my my exploration of all his stuff, Um, and I loved it. Um, It's it's another slow, sad dude walking in the snow if the snow is underwater. Sinking in the water. Yeah. Um, Like, those, those are probably my top two recommendations um i'm sure i could come up with a million more if i thought about it long enough what what do you what do you have jeff i think that sweet tooth is really good at like being definitively jeff lemire like it's in color so it's got that going for it as well because a lot of his Mm -hmm. early stuff's black and white it has what i think that it's like the perfect transitionary period from him doing the very indie stuff of that early, early career transitioning into doing mainstream stuff. So it has a lot of what makes that indie stuff good, which is like these very compelling characters and a lot of heavy emotional beats. Um, but then there's like a supernatural mystery element to it that is really fun to be tracking throughout it. So I, to yeah. me, like that is, that's the book that like made me fall in love with him. That was, that was probably my first real exposure to him. And I guess I didn't include that on the list because I, assume that everybody's read it right. and just mm-hmm. forgets to put it on their list of books that they've read. Roman, do you have a favorite Jeff Lemire? Like that animal run, animal man run is great. Um, you know, I, I love animal man. I wasn't a huge fan of his animal man. Ooh, run. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, but that, that's because Grant Morrison spoiled. As far as I'm concerned, Grant Morrison is the be all and end all of animal. They man. could have retired the <laughs> character after yeah. that. Yeah. Um, Lemire did uh, Trillium, didn't he? Yeah, that's oh, a really God, interesting that was, yeah, and great book, good. too. 
I really that loved, is sorry. Yeah, I, I loved Trillium. I never actually read Sweet Tooth, but I'd say Trillium and um, oh, Django said Essex County. Uh, Royal City was solid. My... Trillium oh, is yeah. a book. And I, I seldom say this, but Trillium, if you can read that in issues instead of mm-hmm. paperback or collection, if you can track yeah. down the issues of Trillium, that actually fundamentally changes the experience of reading that series. Mm-hmm. So I would highly, highly recommend Trillium, but in issues. We might yeah. have a run of those in right yeah. now. I'd believe it. Um, Tyler, great to hear from you. Thank you for writing. This is perfectly the, the avenue for that. I've got a couple, I've got a couple things as well. Um, I don't ever remember the questions we posed, but I've got one here from Dino. Hello, everyone. Before I answer Django's Madripoor question, the third episode of Falcon Winter Soldier did show the Princess Bar, which is Logan's, <laughs> a.k.a. Patch's watering hole. My first thought was they need a cameo of Logan in, this, in his Patch disguise, which is perfect because he doesn't use his claws as Patch to save those, save those for whatever the MC, M- MCU movie has them. My second thought was at least we see Tiger Tiger, but obviously neither happened. Both of those went over my head. Dino, you should have a podcast. As for what comic book I would take into my buried alive scenario that Jenny created, <laughs> that's got to be one about Robitussin or NyQuil so the coffin wouldn't bother me. That's a good call. That's a good, you, good. Uh, I got an Andrew response to that. Bada bing, bada boom. Here's Andrew zooming in with a response to Django's weird question. I'd take Batman R.I.P. in Return of Bruce Wayne so I'd know that even in death, I will always return. Maybe Hawkspox too, so that life will never end, much like computers. Had to slip that little haiku. Oh, that's a haiku. I'll do it again. Maybe Hawkspox too, so that life will never end, much like computers. <laughs> Thanks for the never-ending laugh, guys. Always a highlight of the week. And then... We got that Django message that you had just sent me. I also had something that I was going to respond to on here. Um, a thing happened this bit this week in the world of comic book news, and it stood out to me as something I wanted to think about. And then Andrew sent me a message about it, and he had thought a lot about it as well. So, okay, Jeff, I've been thinking and processing it before I text you. Hickman is leaving X-Men in July? What the what? hell? My initial thought is more positive. Hickman is going to write sword after issue 12. Uh, Sheedy is on the book right now but I want Cabal to take over since he is leaving Guardians and Sheedy is apparently moving to new Leah Williams series uh, so there's a lot of moving parts there I think Hickman's swapping to a cosmic level mutant book in a more general sense to start discussion uh, to start discussion some of those interplanetary discussion with global interlock societies there's maybe some auto correcting things happening on here but just uh, Hickman to be writing that book about sort of like large scale meta topics I'm not totally upset that Duggan will be on X-Men, though. His character work in Marauders has been awesome, and it was surprisingly my favorite issue of the week. So what he's talking about is that there was an announcement after this, uh, the Hellfire Gala. Um, X-Men number one will be Jerry Duggan and Pepe Larraz. There's a classified book coming out August that is Leah Williams and Valerio Shitty. And then there's a classified book coming out in September that is Jonathan Hickman writing and an artist that's not been named yet. So, yeah, my first thought was that i hope that hickman's still writing the main x-men book and he's going to be writing like uncanny and that jerry Duggan will be just writing x-men um but he did say that he didn't want to be doing an uncanny x-men book while he was doing this series uh mm-hmm. like head, head writing the whole thing so um you know he's gonna be leaving the main x-men book that's disappointing to me because i feel like 
he's only done the first year and a half of what I assumed was going to be three or four years. But the part of me that's a Hickman apologist has to assume that his transitioning to a new book is basically saying a different book is going to be doing the, the ship running of the, the X-Men franchise. I don't know if it's going to be a, a Moira McTaggart book or if it's going to be, you know, maybe shield like you said or sword like you said i kind of doubt that personally because i feel like al ewing's still so early in that series that i think they're gonna let him develop his ideas a little bit more before they would change that around and and i also feel like it's just sort of a separate conversation to be had in the midst of this overall hickman conversation he's trying to have so yeah um i i similar to you andrew i was a little bit i felt a little betrayed but I think that that book has been kind of rudderless. I think that uh, the main X-Men book maybe would be benefiting more from having just a regular writer on it and Hickman be really like, you know, writing a book that seems to be more of a spine or just doing more architecture work where the series is going as a whole. But um, that's what I think. I don't know what it's going to be yet. I'm not super pissed off yet. I want to know what he's going to be doing. But, but my feeling is that Duggan will be taking over the main X-Men book because a different book will become the most important book. Do you uh, think that this that is Hickman doing this or do you think that this is Marvel? Oh, I think it's, I think it's Hickman. Yeah, I, I think, I, I think it is. I think that they've got this hellfire gala thing happening and something's going to happen. I, I feel like we haven't even started to have some of the conversations that house of X and powers of 10 started. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the way that he, wants to have those conversations is maybe by having isolated miniseries or something um, building towards it. But yeah, the main X-Men book, I think um, when we look back on this first 18 issues, it's going to be kind of disappointing because they've all, it feels really disjointed. It's going to be interesting to see how they try to collect this shit into an omnibus. There's still 17 volumes in to the week by week thing. Dawn of X Holy volume 17 cow. of like, you know, X-Men 17, Marauders 17, Excalibur 17. That's like 17. basically one month's worth of comics at a time? Per paperback, yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's crazy that they've stuck with it as long as they have. I don't blame them, though. Some people seem to be digging it. Oh, that's, uh, I hadn't heard that. I don't like it, unless yeah. Hickman wanted it. I bet. And I don't know if we'll ever get a straight answer out of anybody about that. Yeah, I bet. I, You know, sometimes I almost feel like he's better at large-scale architecture than he is at writing strict issues but i think he's great really both yeah all right everybody that's it we did it we came in we sh conquered and roman brought home a couple of those sylvanian gooey ducks that we've heard so much about from the underworld roman thank you so much for casting that fishing line into the deep dark parts of the ocean and finding the underfish the underfish the great oh, great sockeye slap of the underworld no one has ever been able to find a better unterfush than Roman, the Night Mariner, Statler. So thank you for joining us. Oh, now I'm going to have Night Mariners. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, Jamie, you want to clean it all up for us? Yeah, send us an email. Uh, send all of us an email to jeff at thecomicsplace.com. <laughs> uh, tell us what you think. Ask us a question. Ask us for opinions. Um, you know, shit on us if you want. Good luck. It's just email. Everyone should watch <laughs> Invincible. Episode four had an awesome underwater welder shout out. That was great. <laughs> um, have you it's watched episode four? Yeah. Yeah. When he's just like, this one's by Jeff Lemire. It's underwater welder. 
Yeah. And then like when they were doing the superhero tryouts, I believe one of the people that was trying out, I almost, I tried to take a picture on my phone for you guys, but they didn't show him again. But from the background, it looked like the main character, black science, like the space oh, suit, nice. like the orange suit with the glass dome over it. Like they're doing some very fun image proprietary, like, you know, crossover stuff. And it's just, I'm five. I'm finally caught up and it is so good. Everyone should watch invincible on Amazon prime. Yeah. Invincible's great. If I was going to give you give you a TV recommendation, it would probably be uh, Made for Love oh. on HBO. It's a good little kind of quirky takedown of Google through sort of a uh, black mirror lens. It's oh. maybe five or six, seven episodes in so far. And uh, I don't know if you like Ray Romano, but this will make you like Ray Romano. So fucking brace yourself. Wow. Um, and Roman, what's your random television endorsement for the week? I don't have one because I've been watching reruns of, of American Dad. Roman <laughs> says you should watch reruns of American Dad. <laughs> wow. Or Paradise PD, basically the same. So on that note, everyone, uh, Jeff at the office, uh, 1-619-663-7336. That phone line doesn't work anymore. Um, <laughs> we'll see all of you next week for episode 222. Wow, 222. 222. Two, two, two. A third of the way to where three, three. our podcast shly, shly, shly. ends the world. Shlee, shlee, shlee. Shlee, no, 666. Oh. Jeff, Room 222. Right. It was Sorry, an old right. TV show in the you're 70s. Right. Maybe the 60s. Hmm. <laughs> Roman, I love you. <laughs> I'm Jeff. Oh, I'm Roman. I'm Django. I, you know, I was wondering, along What's with some mind, friends. Bud? What's on your mind, bud? Well, you look conflicted. Do you think that an AI yes. could no. control... <laughs> You motherfuckers. You don't even know what I'm going to ask. And We've you're got already the whole answering. bases covered. We've got the bases covered. I, I saw that Robin Williams let me, movie. Let me think about that. <laughs> uh, do you think that an AI could control the Infinity Gauntlet? Do you think that an AI could hack into Omega Red's like little tentacle thingies? Do you do think it's a computer think, running him? Do you think... Yes. That Winter Soldier could get the COVID vaccination in his metal arm. Do you think <laughs> that vibranium can be pierced by any medical utensil? Do you think that if you had a vibranium medical utensil and a vibranium baseball bat wielded by someone of equal strength on either side, could you swing the baseball bat at the tiny little medical instrument and would it reach a stalemate because they're the same strength do you think that if vibranium was being used to administer covid shot vaccinations it okay. would a hurt it all because you could make it like a thinness of a hair going uh -huh. in there and do you think people would be more willing to accept the covid vaccination if it was being injected through vibranium well, do, like, do you think... Oh, that, you you if, started answering a question. Oh, wait, were you about to answer a question? Were you about to pose a question or answer a question? I was about to pose a question. Oh, good. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Do you think that if we went down to the Skagit Fairgrounds and they shoved that very same vibranium needle in your arm, that you would gain powers? Do you think that vibranium is a strong enough metal that it, you could just be using the same shot to administer the vaccine to everybody and it would sort of resist bacteria. Like, 
you know, like how strong, what is, how magical is vibranium? Do you think that when Justin and I called each other after give it, getting our COVID vaccinations and compared notes that it's right that we both had to take our shots anally? Do you think that Jeff's feelings are a tiny bit hurt that he didn't hear from either of you about your COVID vaccinations <laughs> afterwards? And he just rolled around on his couch in a bathrobe feeling miserable alone? A, Jeff, it was embarrassing that they went in our butts. And B, I was in contact with you earlier that day. I haven't and heard then from you Justin. And you just peered. Yeah, I I did pass out on my couch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I passed out on my couch. COVID vaccines will get the they'll get they'll bring it out of you. On that Sleepy note, we'll boys. see everybody for two 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 two. And then, T W O T O O.